My name is Paul Riley, also known as Political Paul, and this is The Riley Rant, a weekly podcast where we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. Let's rant. Thank you for tuning into the 30th official episode of The Riley Rant. As was noted in the intro, we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. And if you've been following the past two episodes, you'll notice that we're trying to do something different with The Riley Rant in 2018. In my last episode of 2017, entitled Podcasting Top 5 Takeaways After One Year, I talked about the importance of wanting to do two things. First, produce content that's relevant and captivating for all the listeners out there. And then two, to bring on more guests to the show so that we can enhance and elevate the conversation. And so as I seek to work on those goals, I've decided to start 2018 with the Riley Rant with a series entitled The Bold Move Series. And this series is centered on shining a light on individuals that I've come across throughout my my life who have taken bold moves recently, whether it be in their careers, whether it be in their personal lives, and who really decided to go after the things that they believe in their hearts will make them happy, will make them more fulfilled, and will allow them to inspire others. And so If you were following two episodes ago, I set the foundation for the goals that I had for this year, which is producing content, having more guests. And so if you were following the last episode, I had my guest Jalen Blott walk us through his transformation from D.C. to L.A., where he's going to now pursue a career in film and media. Keeping with the Bold Move series, I'm excited to have on this 30th rant Hayden Humphrey, someone who I've worked with in the past, who also recently took a bold move, who left his job in corporate America to pursue a career in photography and also to travel um, and spend time learning more about himself and about the goals and the dreams that he has for himself. So I'm really excited that you all decided to tune in to this 30th rant and to this second episode within the Bold Move series. And I'm also honored to introduce Hayden Humphrey to the Riley Rant. Hayden, how are you? Hey, Paul, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for coming on. As I was talking about the Bold Move series and people who have made bold moves, you were honestly a person that came top of mind. And I said, I want to get Hayden on for this series to talk about bold moves because it's one thing to take an action, it's one thing to post that action on social media, but it's another thing to really share in a genuine and authentic manner how you came about those decisions. So I'm really excited to have you on, really excited for you to share your story. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to excited to talk through it all. And so I'm, I'm aware of the fact that many people may not follow the Riley Rand episode by episode. And so if you didn't check out last week's episode, you may have missed my definition or description of the bold formula. So the bold series is anchored by the bold acronym and I just wanted to share that with you before we dive into this episode. The B in the bold formula stands for breakthrough, because it's my belief that in order for a bold move to occur, you have to first have a breakthrough, an epiphany, a sudden realization that, wow, something is going on, or I'm feeling some type of way. How do I work to make those feelings my new reality? How do I take those dreams and place them into action and actionable items? And so the first part of that bold formula is the B, the breakthrough. You have this realization, and it's compelling you to act. Once you know that there has to be something that needs to change or needs to be done, you then go into, oh, organization. You begin to think about how you're going to achieve this goal. You begin to write down steps you're going to take. You begin to plan out a timeline. Should I do it in the next three months? Should I do it in the next six months? This is the time where, after the breakthrough, you're beginning to organize your ideas, organize your thoughts, and really try to move towards taking that action. After the organization phase, I think the next level is L, leveraging different data points. And when you think about leveraging different perspectives, this is the area where I think you consult with three different groups. So the first group is sort of yourself, trusting your gut, consulting with and checking in with yourself. How do I feel about this? Is this something I feel comfortable and confident doing? The second bucket then is your your family and your friends, colleagues, you know, people who are in your first degree connections or your second degree connections, people that you, you know, converse with on a daily basis, who you look to for advice. It could be mentors, it could be parents, it could be your cousin, it could be your best friend. Leveraging that perspective, and then that third bucket is leveraging sort of faith or spiritual guidance to help you make those decisions. And so whatever bucket you tap into in the L, leveraging different data points phase, you're going potentially to different resources, whether it's yourself, family members, or the spiritual realm, to help guide you. And then after you've you know, had your breakthrough, you've begun to organize your thoughts, and then you're leveraging different data points, you're now in a predicament where you can D determine your course of action, decide on what action you're going to take. And so in a nutshell, that is the bold formula. And I'm so excited to have Hayden on this 30th official episode to walk us through how he went through these different steps and to also leverage some of his content that he's pushed out 
to frame and contextualize the different aspects of the bold formula. So as we get started in this rant, I want to first start with background on Hayden, but then again dive into that bold framework to see how he made his bold move in 2017. How does that sound, Hayden? That sounds great. I'm excited to get started. Well, let, let's start then. So when thinking about the bold moves, um, I saw on Facebook um, a quote you sort of wrote. I'm going to take this directly from Facebook where you noted, I quit my full-time job, got a photography business off the ground, gave my biggest speech in front of almost 500 people, realized that I'm more than the work that I do, learned to ask for help, and traveled a ton to boot. So could you start with giving us background on who is Hayden Humphrey and how yeah. do we get to that point where you're quitting your full-time job, starting this photography <laughs> business, speaking to 500 people. Walk us through that, that transformation. Yeah, absolutely. So I am from Ohio, originally born and raised uh, right outside of Columbus. <clears throat> For school, I went to Ohio University, uh, which is about an hour south of uh, Columbus. Um, when I was there, I studied business. So I was a double major in management information systems, as well as strategic leadership, um, and really was dead set on going the corporate route, wanting to work for a huge, really impressive company. Um, and so I got an internship my junior year with Ernst & Young, was really excited about it, it was in New York, um, had an awesome experience. But realized it wasn't quite the direction that I wanted to go and wasn't the right opportunity for me. So ended up actually declining that full-time role uh, and switched gears a little bit, then started to look into technology, working for startups, uh, and really wanted to be in San Francisco. So very luckily through some connections that I had made, um, was able to uh, gain a full-time offer for a sales development position um, right after school uh, in San Francisco. So moved right moved out there right after school uh, and started at a company called Sumo Logic uh, and was there for about eight months um, before realizing it just wasn't the right fit, wasn't the right opportunity. Um, and I, you know, keep in mind through this whole thing, I really always wanted to work at LinkedIn. Um, that it was always sort of a company on the horizon, the the, the big fish that, that I wanted to catch. Mm -hmm. um, and so got really lucky when, um, you know, I was looking to make a move from Sumo and one of the recruiters at LinkedIn reached out to me uh, and asked me about coming in to interview for the January start class for the business leadership program, which is where I met you. Mm -hmm. um, and so ended up making that move, um, jump ship in January of last year. Uh, went through two rotations of that program in San Francisco um, before realizing that I needed uh, a change of pace in terms of um, geography and, and actual environment. Yeah. Uh, and so for the last rotation of this rotational program for sales, moved to Chicago um, and uh, have been in Chicago since October of 2016, so a little bit over a year now, um, and uh, was in the sales development role for about six months before realizing um, that, again, wasn't the right opportunity and jump ship and now work for myself mostly. So um, to, to give you some insight on what I do now, so it's a couple different things. Um, you know, first and foremost, I'm a director of life coaching for Boyd Falconer and Associates, oh, wow. um, which is an which is an international uh, life coaching consultancy. So we basically work with folks to help them clarify um, their life purpose and their vision, uh, and then walk through roadblocks on their way to achieving that purpose. Um, the other big thing that I do is I'm a photographer, so uh, mainly event and portrait photography. So things like headshots, um, family sessions, even the occasional you know senior picture, uh, and then also events for corporate companies for happy hours, nonprofits, um, that sort of thing. So the quote that you mentioned was actually the quote that I put on the picture that I had Instagram for my 25th birthday. And it was looking back on the year that I just had in 24. Um, and it was a really transformative year for me. Um, like the quote said, uh, I ended up leaving my full-time job at LinkedIn um, to go off on my own uh, and start a couple different things. Um, got a photography business off the ground, which is just continuing to grow um, and is really exciting and really fun. Um, gave a speech in, in front of almost 500 people. It was the um, freshman convocation speech for the Ohio University College of Business. Um, oh, wow. I was really lucky, actually, to, to be the youngest alumni to come back and speak um, at, at that particular event. Uh, and then the last three couple points were, um, you know, I realized I'm more than the work that I do. Um, it's a question of value and, and self-worth and realizing that, you know, you are more than your current situation. Um, learning to ask for help in... Uh, especially a professional context, because that's something that I've always struggled with. And, you know, for a long time, I saw it as a weakness to ask for help, yeah. uh, as, as opposed to a strength. Um, and then traveled a ton to boot. I'm just a huge traveler. Um, I try and take a trip at least every month, if not every other month. Um, oh, wow. So that's kind of where that's kind of <laughs> where I am right now. Um, and, you know, obviously, as we go through the rest of this, you know, we'll be happy to, to sort of um, uh, go more in depth on, on all of those things and give a little bit more background. Yeah, thanks so much for, for that background. And just wanted to, to flag when you talk about, you know, the breakthrough, it seems in your story you've had breakthroughs in multiple times. Could you walk me through sort of EY, that breakthrough, realizing that wasn't a fit, sumo logic, just sort of what, what was it about those experiences? Because we often hear about people making bold moves, but yeah. often trying to figure out what compels people to walk away from things or to reevaluate things. And how, how do you know? Mm -hmm. Is it a feeling you get? Mm -hmm. Is it, mm -hmm. you know, random conversations where people are talking to you? What are you doing here? Or, Why mm -hmm. are you doing this? So that, that sort of piqued your interest. <laughs> what, what is that? Can you walk me through? Because it seems yeah. like you made some pivotal decisions 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think with these types of decisions in figuring out where you want to be and what decisions and actions are necessary to actually get you there, the more that you know about yourself and the more self-aware you are, the easier it is. Um, and I've been, uh, I've, I've been pretty blessed in that I have a very introspective tendency. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, growing up, um, I've always been pretty introverted. So I've always been in my own head, um, you know, for, for better or for worse. <laughs> uh, and, and it's been something that I've always focused on. So getting to know myself as a person, getting to know myself as a professional, um, you know, my tendencies, my strengths, my weaknesses. Uh, and I think having known and continuing to know a lot about who I am as a person and, and what I actually need to be happy and be fulfilled, um, that's helped me a lot in making all these different decisions. Um, you know, the, the EY, for example, um, is actually funny because I do have a very specific story around that. I, I actually, so I, I interned for them for a summer uh, and I was there for, I think, six weeks. It was a pretty short internship, but I remember the last week of the internship, I was in Portland, Oregon. I was in a meeting with ADP. Uh, we were doing a, an audit for them. And I remember we were interviewing a gentleman from ADP and we get through the interview. I'm there with, you know, my senior and, and another associate. And the, the gentleman that we're interviewing at the end says, you know, I don't want to be rude, but I don't know how you guys do this. Like, this is really boring. <laughs> and uh, my, you know, my senior and the associate in the room are, you know, laughing politely. And um, in the back of my head, I'm like, no, like this, he's right. Like this is really boring. So it was like this like, huge, you know, fundamental, um, you know, epiphany for me in realizing, you know, if I couldn't do this for six months, if I wasn't interested in doing this for, sorry, six weeks, how could I possibly sign up to do this for two years? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, after that, it was sitting down and, and creating a whole list around here, are the things that I like, here, are the things that I don't like, the projects I like, the strengths I have. Um, and when I, um, took that and started to look for patterns and the themes in that, um, it really started to scream startup. It started to scream, you know, very small company. Um, and so I went out and had conversations with folks from smaller companies and startups, and that really affirmed that that's where I wanted to be. Um, and so, but, you know, with, with, with that, ultimately, even knowing, you know, hey, this probably isn't the right opportunity for me, it still was a leap of faith in saying, you know, no, I don't want to do this, and I'm going to go do something else that's not even yet defined. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's been a very similar process in, in the, the rest of the opportunity that I've had to do that. Sumo Logic, um, you know, I just realized I, I wasn't happy in the culture. I wasn't... Um, because how big was know, Sumo Logic? Was that sort of going towards a smaller... So um, it was still a relatively large company. Yeah. It was about 250. So it was sort of a late stage startup. When I got there, they had just gotten their Series E funding, um, but small enough to know everybody and, and small enough to really feel like, you know, you, uh, you, you had a good idea around what was going on. But um, I just realized I wanted to be doing something and having um, an impact and, and helping drive forward a vision that I really believed in. And Sumo Logic's a great company. The product's great. Um, it's, it's basically IT troubleshooting and analysis tools. Um, but that didn't really doesn't really drive me. doesn't really get me super excited. And um, that's really why I was interested in working for LinkedIn was because of the vision, because of the purpose and the, and the mission of the organization um, in really wanting to uplift the global economy and, and help everybody find the, the job that really speaks to their soul. Um, yeah. And so again, you know, it was a, was a leap of faith. It, it, I was lucky enough to, you know, have the opportunity with LinkedIn before, um, you know, deciding officially that I was going to be leaving Sumo. So that was a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of you know, in terms of those moves, that's sort of what that's looked like in terms of a breakthrough, um, in terms of a breakthrough perspective. With this specific move um, from LinkedIn, uh, it actually, it happened earlier last year. Um, we came back into Q1. I had just joined the, the team in Q4 and it had been doing pretty well. Um, so I felt like I had all these expectations that I needed to meet for how much I was supposed to be achieving and the results I was, was supposed to be producing. Um, and long story short, I basically ended up not planning well enough for February to make sure that I had enough um, to meet quota for February. Uh, and so, you know, all of February, I'm so stressed out. I am, you know, coming in super early. I'm staying super late. I'm making 150 phone calls in a day, just trying to do anything that I can to, to get to this number. Um, and I end up missing by two. Uh, and, you know, leading up to that, I had thought it was almost the end of the world because I hold myself to a very high standard and, you know, I'm sort of a perfectionist and to, to my own demise sometimes. Um, and, and, you know, wanted to hit that, wanted to do that. And when that did end up happening, um, I then sort of went into this introspective period of saying, okay, why am I so concerned about hitting this number? What is it uh, about this number that, that is speaking so much to me and that is causing me to not be able to connect with people in the way that I want to be able to connect with people, um, you know, not have the type of energy that I want to when I come in every day. Um, and so missing this number was almost the first domino in a very long series of dominoes and realizations about myself and about who I was as a person, how I'd been making decisions. Uh, and what I realized was that for the longest time, I really had been making decisions based on what would make me look good and what would make people like me, mm -hmm. as opposed to what I actually truly wanted to be doing. Um, and when I had that realization, uh, it sort of shifted everything. 
everything shifted, my priorities shifted, the importance and the weight of everything shifted. Um, and I started to then look forward and say, okay, you know, what do I actually want to be doing, uh, if not this, and what other options are out there? That's amazing. And I think when you talk about um, the breakthrough, and it seems as if once you got to this final breakthrough in 2017, you had exposure to an EY, to a smaller stage, mm-hmm. still getting yep. more mature, but a, a smaller stage company, and then sort of yep. a corporation like LinkedIn, you yep. got to run the gamut to see what was out there. And, and the fact that you were still having these feelings and these questions, it sort of gave you more clarity that what you were looking for may mm-hmm. have been outside of that and, and may have been something different, which required a new set of risk orientation to get right. there. And so what I would love to do now is, you know, we get an understanding of sort of the different breakthroughs. Can you take us back to 2017 when you ultimately decide photography is what I want to do and, and, and mm-hmm. how you got into the life coaching uh, because I think that mm-hmm. that would really help to anchor the organization bucket of the bold formula. So we have this breakthrough of mm-hmm. I've seen these different environments, these different sectors. How do I now organize my life to get to where I ultimately think I need to be? Yeah, absolutely. So when I decided that I was going to be leaving, uh, it then obviously became a question, okay, where am I going? (laughs) And, uh, you know, there there were a couple different um, opportunities or different steps or or different places that I had in mind. So, um, you know, for example, I had then thought about, okay, if, you know, if I don't want to be at this huge company, if I don't want to be doing sales, maybe I want to be doing, you know, more advocacy. Maybe I want to be in a smaller place where, um, you know, I feel like I'm having more of an impact. I can take on more responsibility. So I looked at a couple different nonprofits. I looked at some B corporations. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I looked at some you know much smaller companies in in Columbus and in Colorado, um, but I had this nagging feeling in the pit of my stomach that. Um, the other option that I really should be looking at is working for myself. And this is something that I've known about myself for a long time, um, knowing that I want to work for myself, knowing I want to start my own business and start my own company. But it had always been something that I had put this sort of arbitrary date on in the future and saying, you know, I'm going to go get more experience. I'm going to do all these other things before I then go do this thing that, that I'm pretty sure I want to do. Why, why was uh, that? It seems like you knew you wanted to do the business. Were you genuinely trying to get the experience or was it just a way to push off those, yeah, those desires? Yeah, that's... That's a great question. So um, I think it's a mixture of both. (laughs) I think, you know, I think a big part of it too with, you know, being so close to graduation, you know, only two and a half years out of school, you know, I went through four years of very intensive education around functioning in a corporate environment. And it had pretty much been drilled into my head that if I, you know, left before two years, if I, you know, jumped in, didn't have a plan, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that was the ultimate failure. So to be honest with you, I didn't realize that I had a choice. I didn't, I didn't realize that this was something that I was allowed to do uh, in going out and and starting my own thing. So, um, you know, it was sort of a toss up between those two, uh, you know, going to a much smaller company or working for myself. And um, I just had this feeling in in the pit of my stomach um, that that that's really what I needed to be doing. And, um, you know, honestly, I I had said photography and I had said freelance writing, but before I left, I actually hadn't made a single dollar freelancing from anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it was more of a, hey, I'm going to give myself the time and space to figure it out. But here are some things that I think that I'd like to be doing um, just to, to give you some context around around that experience and and then when you talk about the timeline so you have the epiphany 2017 Mm -hmm. you're not really sure about what the what the core subject of that next role or move is going to be right how long did it take you from breakthrough through the organization phase to begin to plan out the move was it a six-month thing was it a Mm three-month was it a two-week thing because i think sometimes when we see breakthroughs it's almost like i'm going to rage quit and i'm going to go and get pack my bags and do my (laughs) post and get on my plane a one-way ticket wherever and i just would love to hear because i think it's more nuanced than that and so i would love to hear the yeah. time that it took for you to acknowledge and accept that that breakthrough was happening to really organize mm-hmm. to create a realistic timeline mm-hmm. to then get you to the place where you are now. Yeah. So I think the actual realization around, you know, for me, this is, this is core to this move is realizing that I'm not the work that I do. That that's really core. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think that realization in structuring that and adding context and understanding how that was going to affect my personal life, how that was going to affect my professional life that really took place over about a month and a half. Okay. Um, so really after missing this number in February, going into March, um, and I pretty much decided in that March, April timeframe that I was going to be leaving to go do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. I didn't know which direction I was going to go. But um, to be honest with you, one, one of the things that was um, influencing 
interesting, this timeline was the fact that I had moved to Chicago with LinkedIn uh, and they had um, paid for me to move. And one of the contracts that I signed was if I left Chicago and if I left the company before a year, then I would need to pay back um, that the moving expenses. Mm -hmm. And so that was that was sort of the um, you know anchor that I had in my mind was, OK, I need to make it until at least October. Um, you know, I need to make it until at least then. And then I can kind of decide what I want to do. But as time went on, I noticed my productivity was slipping. My happiness was was taking a huge hit. My anxiety levels were through the roof because I knew that I didn't want to be here. I, you know, I wasn't invested in the work anymore. Um, and, and I really just wanted to, to, to make the move. Um, and so that timeline, actually, I sort of t I took a risk um, in moving that timeline up mm -hmm. and ended up giving my, um, uh, you know, my two weeks or my notice in June uh, and, and saying that I was going to be leaving July 1st. Um, and so that's sort of what that timeline looked like. I wanted to give them enough time to be able to uh, you know, fill in for me, um, but then also give myself some time to plan. And so in conjunction with that as well, um, one of the things that I was doing was I was starting to have conversations. And I think this will probably get into the L portion of this, but um, having conversations with other folks, mentors, understanding, okay, what do I need to start thinking about if I'm going to go out and, and do this freelance thing or do this entrepreneurial thing? Uh, and then also putting money aside so that I had a runway um, so that it wasn't life or death. You know, I'm going to lose the place that I'm living, um, it, you know, if I don't make this work right out of the bat. And then also, um, you know, like I moved apartments, I moved into a much cheaper apartment. Mm -hmm. um, and I just tried to cut down on, on my expenses to make sure that went as far as possible. But um, to give you a sense of the timeline, that's sort of what it looked like from that March to, to July timeframe. Got it. That, that, and that's important to note too, because it, it wasn't sort of like a, I have this breakthrough, let me move tomorrow. And for some people, they may have that breakthrough and that urgency, it's there, but it seems as if the breakthrough to the organization, to the action, it took, you know, two, three, four months for you to really solidify that. So I really love mm -hmm. that, that context because we don't really get that you know, when people are posting or sharing their stories, you know, what was the exact time frame? Because I know there are people out there who are considering bold moves and are trying to figure out, you know, am I crazy for planning yeah. four months in advance? Am I crazy <laughs> for saying I'm going to do something in July, even though it's uh, January now? And so that kind of context, I think it's helpful. Right. Here's the thing to real quick to, to note on that is, um, you know, the four months out, six months out thing, that's great. Um, but I... I just urge people to be very uh, intentional with the timelines that they're setting because it's easy to say, oh, I'm going to stay here for a year. I'm going to stay here for another six months, yeah. get to the end of six months and then decide, okay, you know, I'd like maybe, you know, maybe I'll give it another six months. Maybe I'll give it another year. Maybe I'll take this promotion to manager and then I'll go do the thing that I want to do. So logistically and money wise, yes, plans that you have the things that you need to live, but also don't make it arbitrary, arbitrarily long because really all you're doing is you're short circuiting your own happiness and the time that you're going to be able to spend doing the things that you really actually want to do. Definitely. And I think when hearing your story, another thing I wanted to point out, when you talk about decision making, I came across a quote on one of your posts on LinkedIn, where you basically note, instead of obsessing and trying to predict a fictional future, I think the better strategy is to focus on what's going on right now, today, in this moment. What can I do today that's going to get me closer to what I want tomorrow? Or if I don't know exactly what I want, what's out there for me to start exploring? While some may think this kind of thinking is short-sighted, it's much more true to how life happens. You don't make changes or achieve things in a single leap or bound. You do it in a series of small daily steps. Why not plan that way too? Then everything becomes so much more manageable. You narrow your focus and let go of the anxiety around the immense ambiguity. So that, that seems like, you know, when, when talking to you, when did you have that realization? Because that seems like a shift from, you know, focusing on this six-month planning to let's take it day by day. When did that mm -hmm. sort of thinking change for you, particularly mm -hmm. when you think about organizing for your next move? the day by day versus the month by month or the year by year. Yeah. Yeah. So that actually was a realization that I had after I ended up leaving. So that was about three months into, um, you know, this new entrepreneurial venture and this new entrepreneurial lifestyle. Um, and to give you some context on that quote specifically, really for me, the, the reason that resonates and the reason I wrote that had a lot more to do with um, money, actually, uh, and, um, you know, not getting so stressed out about not having every single thing figured out, because that's why I realized that's what I was doing. I was tricking myself into thinking that I needed to have it all figured out, even though I was fine for the next three months. I'm fine for the next three months. I don't need to have it figured out past that. But I think that this also applies to, you know, pre-jump and to just life more generally outside of money. And it, it, especially when it comes to passion, because it's so easy. And I, and I hear this all the time from people. Is people saying, well, I don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't, you know, I want to start my own business. I want to go do these things, but I don't know what I'm passionate about. And um, I, I don't have it all figured out yet. And I don't think that's how you should be thinking about it. I think it's, you, sh you should be narrowing your focus. You should be thinking about it in much smaller steps. Mm -hmm. And in terms of following inclinations and following things that excite you versus having every single thing figured out, because there are things that excite you. There are things that get you, that, that you think about all day that you want to talk about with your friends, that you read about online, that you write about. Um, and it becomes easy to say, well, that's 
that's not really a passion. Well, not yet because you haven't really explored it and you haven't yeah. really taken the time to, to go out and, um, and see what that thing is all about. So I think with any move, I think, you know, this whole idea of chunking it down into smaller pieces um, is a way to make it a lot more manageable, a lot less stressful. Um, and it is ultimately going to lead to, you know, you being able to do the things that you want to do. And I think that's such an interesting point because even in the, the first episode within the series with Jalen Blatt, he also noted how when he made the move to LA, he also had this realization that, you know, I need to chill out. I need to be easier on myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work towards this goal, but it's going to be a day-by-day process. And right. he even said something that stuck with me. He said, even though I have this desire to break into film and, and TV, if I come across someone in L.A. who's working on something that I can contribute to, I right. would even consider putting this on hold for a short bit to help them and to learn from them. And so it's right. just so amazing to see across these two episodes this sort of reflection to say, yes, I, I made this bold move, mm-hmm. but you would drive yourself crazy if you tried to have bold results after the bold move <laughs> to prove to people that the bold move was worthwhile. And right. In fact, you know, the bold move may be the biggest catalyst, the biggest sort of social media wave of awareness. But after that, the hard work of that every day, day in and day out work, that's not really glamorous. That's not really a dramatic move that gets attention, but it's a small daily habits right. that really, you know, make the difference between you really executing months and years after the bold move. And yep. really pushing after it, you know, when you're not getting the gratification of others who are celebrating this bold move, but you actually have to do yep. the day-to-day work. So I thought that that was something yep. that was interesting. But I, I know you alluded to this a few moments ago, but moving into the L of the bold formula, mm-hmm. leveraging different perspectives. And so I would really love to understand, and I think about leveraging in those three buckets yourself, your network, and then maybe a spiritual realm or, or a faith-based guidance, whatever that may be. And so mm-hmm. when I think about it, I think people will take from one or all of those categories would love to get your perspective. But before getting into that, wanted to share some quotes you posted on Facebook just about leveraging different perspectives. The first one sure. you note, I've learned how much I put others' opinions of me in front of my own. I've learned how much insecurity I was holding onto about myself as a professional and how much I avoided asking for help with my career because I didn't want to seem stupid or weak. And another mm-hmm. post you quote, I quote you as saying, it's so easy to let others convince you that you don't know what's best for you, to let them sway how you think about and value yourself. But I promise you that this way of living will lead to a lot of unhappiness. Only you can know the full extent and consequences of your experience. Trust yourself above all else. So that sort mm-hmm. of guides us into this L, leveraging different perspectives. It seems as if you had some awareness in this bucket where you were giving a lot of weight to other people's perspectives. How did that impact your decision-making, you versus others' perspectives? <laughs> yeah. So I think, um, you know, I, I think with all of this, I think the groups that you had mentioned, so yourself, your family, your friends, and then, you know, spiritual guidance, I think yourself and, and your own personal voice and your own intuition is by far, by far the most important thing that you can listen to. And that's something that I struggled with for a very long time and still continue to struggle with um, is this, I, you know, not only um, people may be directly telling you, hey, that's not a great idea, you shouldn't go do that, but also the voices that we have in our own head. So the peanut gallery yeah. uh, or the perceived peanut gallery around what are people going to think, you know, is this a good decision? Is this, you know, is this right? Is this smart? Is this responsible? Et cetera, et cetera. I think being able to remove yourself from that and uh, drown out those voices with your own voice by focusing on your own voice and your own intuition is by far the most important thing that you can do. And so that's really what I tried to focus on was what's my gut telling me about this? Um, have I come across this feeling in the past, which which I have? And you know that's kind of the um, that's the cool thing or the important thing about having gone through this process a number of times in the past is I was able to say, I've had this feeling before I've yeah. had, I had this feeling about saying no to that internship offer. I had no, I had this feeling about, you know, not, uh, leaving sumo logic to go to LinkedIn. I've had this feeling before and it's always served me incredibly well. Yeah. And so I need to focus on that and I need to trust that uh, above all else. Um, so that's, that's really where it starts from. And I think that should be the foundational piece, um, of, of everybody's, everybody's decision-making process, because if you like it and if you want to do it, then you should go do it. Like it's, 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 it just seems crazy to me. It just seems like such a simple idea, but so many people are, are doing these jobs and are, are in these corporate positions, hating it, not wanting to be there, wanting yeah. to go do something else, but because they feel like they have to be there because they're afraid of, you know, maybe what their parents might think or what other people might think, um, they don't do it. But I, so I think, again, underlying all that listening to yourself is, is the most important. Um, as far as friends, family, and colleagues, you know, I'm very blessed and I'm very lucky to have two incredibly supportive parents um, who have actually started, both of them have started their own companies in the past. Oh, wow. um, I actually come from a, a family of 
small business entrepreneurs. And so um, through this whole process and saying, you know, hey, I think I want to go out and start my own company. Um, you know, like my mom owns an online retail store um, and my dad actually works in the cannabis industry in Colorado. They've both started their own companies. They've both, you know, taken leaps of faith to do these types of things. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it was really helpful for me in sort of falling back on that and saying, even if I, you know, sometimes question myself whether or not this is the this is the right decision, the right idea, um, you know, I can always go to, to my parents and they're going to be able, they're going to be there to support me and, you know, tell me to, to listen to myself and do that kind of stuff. Um, outside of that, you know, it was mentors. So I have a couple um, different mentors that I speak with on a regular basis. Um, and, you know, important thing to note here too, is if you're in this position and you're trying to make a decision, be very careful of whose advice you take, yeah. uh, especially mentors, because, uh, you know, I, I've had two different experiences with, with mentors, um, where, uh, you know, on the one hand they were, you know, I've looked up to them. I've talked about this with them a lot. They're very excited for me. And then I've had mentors who have basically said that this wasn't a good idea and that I shouldn't be doing this and and basically sort of tried to persuade me not to do it. Um, But the important distinction was who, what type of life are they living? And do I want to be living that life? Um, and that become that makes it that much more easy to say, you know, here's whose advice I'm going to take and here's whose advice I'm not going to listen to. And so that's really what I tried to do was, um, pick out and, and choose and listen to mentors who are doing the same sort of thing, who have started their own companies, who are traveling much more frequently, who have a more entrepreneurial lifestyle. Yeah. I'm going to go out and listen to them. And every time I talked with one of them, it was, yes, you're hundred percent, you're on the right course. This sounds great. You should hundred percent go for it. Um, and so, you know, that was, that was really important from a mentor's perspective perspective. Um, and then the last around spiritual guidance, um, you know, books and, and, you know, things in that realm. Um, I read a couple books, which, which I felt were pretty instrumental in, in helping me make this decision. So, um, I don't know if you've ever read, uh, you are a badass by Jen Sincero. Um, it's a great book. Uh, if you it. are, it it's fabulous. Yeah. I mean, if you are, um, trying to, to make a decision like this, if you feel like you're in the same position where you're saying, Hey, my, you know, my heart and, and my mind is telling me I need to be doing this thing, but I don't really know what to do. I would highly suggest reading this book. It's a great book. She's a great author. What's the name of it again? Um, a lot of really good uh, you are a badass mm-hmm. by Jen Sincero. And it's funny cause it seems hokey, like a self-help book, but it's, it's <laughs> really great. It's very well written. And I, I think everybody would appreciate it. Um, so it was books like that. It was books like, uh, the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. Mm-hmm. Uh, was was also really important. Um, and then, you know, in terms of spiritual guidance and faith, um, you know, I think one thing that I want to touch on is I've become more spiritual as time has gone on. Um, and I'm always hesitant to, to use that word. Um, but one thing that that uh, I did and try to be very conscious about is um, thinking about, you know, not only worst case scenario, but what's likely to happen. Uh, yeah. And one thing that I realized when I was looking to make this decision is I looked back on um, what I had done up until that point and said, OK, you know, I am a I, I was part of a, this rotational program. I, I now work at this company. If I go out and do this thing, if I take this risk and it doesn't end up working out, I can get back to this spot. I, I have the capability to get back to where I am right now. And that helped me a lot in saying, in, in rationalizing and saying, you know, this risk is worth it. Um, and then the other thing too is this idea of worst case thinking, which I think most people do when they think about these types of decisions is what's the worst possible thing that could happen, mm-hmm. um, which is typically, I mean, it's the least likely thing to happen. Um, you know, and I think most people, when they think about, you know, jumping off and leaving their job, it's going to, they're, they're going to be become, you know, destitute or, you know, eternally unemployable or, you know, all of their friends and family are going to leave them. And of course, everybody's in different places and and I can't speak to every type of situation and every type of environment. But um, I imagine a lot of people that are listening to this podcast and yourself and myself included, um, you know, the the worst case scenario is not going to happen. So (laughs) taking the risk and taking the jump and taking a chance to live this much more full, much more joyful and and happy life um, for me is 100% worth the risk of, okay, I have to go. Now I have to go back. six months is up, my money's out, I have to go back and get a sales job somewhere. Um, And and sort of stepping away from that worst case thinking. So for me, that was sort of like the, you know, the, the um, perspectives piece in myself and colleagues and mentors, and then, you know, ultimately that that book and spiritual place. Definitely. And when you think about your timeline, you're saying giving yourself six months, when you think about leveraging these perspectives, did anyone give you advice on try this for six months, try this for a year and reassess sort of, do you have any um, boundaries or or rails on the experience or are you still taking that day by day approach? Yeah. So, um, I've, you know, the interesting thing about working for yourself is you have to completely restructure your success mechanisms. So yeah. how you structure your day, um, what a productive day means, um, how to manage your time is all very different. So to be honest with you, when, when I jumped, um, I was dealing with a lot of insecurity, mm-hmm. um, for myself about, 
if this was or was not the right decision. And so I actually avoided talking to anybody um, really uh, who had been doing this this sort of thing because I thought, well, I don't want them to influence you know how I you know live my life and I want to do this my way and blah blah blah. When yeah. in actuality, I really was just hiding the fact that I was afraid to ask for help um, because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and so I think for the first couple of months, that's sort of how I operated. And you know, going back to my fears around money and, and my fears around being able to make ends meet, that's that's that was sort of stoking the flame there. Was feeling like I I couldn't ask for help and I didn't know what I was doing. But, um, you know, I was going to I was going to, you know, tough it out and, and work it out and what have you. But one of the things that I ended up doing was I actually hired a coach um, in October. So the coach hired um, the coach. <laughs> the life coach yeah, hired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, the, they, they say that every every good coach needs a coach. Or yeah, every coach definitely. needs a coach. Um, and so that was actually one of the things that he and I ended up um, working on was uh, the, uh, ability to ask for help and also how I should be structuring my time, which was the most important piece and something that I was missing. Uh, and so his whole idea, and the thing that I actually think is a, is a really great idea is focusing on things for three months. So sort of three month block of times, because what I was trying to do was say, Hey, I'm going to build this photography business and I'm also going to do freelance writing. And I'm also going to do this training. I'm also going to do this, you know, yada, yeah. yada, yada. When I'm spreading myself too thin, instead of saying, I'm going to focus on this one thing, making this one thing work as making it as big as I possibly can for three months and then reevaluating and saying, do I want to continue to do this or do I want to shift and pivot and go do something else? Um, and so that's sort of where I'm at right now um, is, uh, you know, having more concrete goals or in, in three month periods and in, in three month stints uh, and saying, I'm going to try this for a couple months and then at the end reevaluate and say, you know, is this what I want to be doing is, um, is this not wanna be what I want to be doing? But um, it's, I mean, it's interesting. It's a two-sided coin because, you know, on the one hand, you're ultimately responsible, obviously, for, <laughs> for, for, for creating the value and, and creating conditions under which you can live the the life that you want to live. But, um, you know, there's that responsibility piece, but then on the other side, there's also that freedom piece, um, because I'm now free to say, Hey, I think I want to start offering this service to people and charging for it. I can go on, I add it to my website. I start talking to people about it. And, you know, two weeks later, um, I can make it a reality. Um, so it's definitely been a learning process in, in terms of that actual timing. And it's something that I'm still trying to figure out and still trying to work out. But I think talking with people, talking with my coach and, and, um, you know, just continuing to do a lot of self-reflection is, is helping me be more effective at that. Definitely. And how did you find your, your life coach? Because we're in this bucket of leveraging different perspectives. How did you find mm -hmm. the life coach? Would you recommend it? Or who would you recommend it to this type of coaching and, and yeah. success building? Yeah, I, th I mean, I think everybody, I think everybody should have a coach, honestly. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where um, it's, it's, it's still a little bit weird to talk about. Uh, and there's still like, I don't know if stigma is the right word, but there's, there's a little bit of weirdness around, you know, talking about life coaching or yeah. being a life coach or what have you. Um, but I think everybody should. And I think everybody should at the very least just have a conversation with somebody um, because it's huge to have somebody, a third party objective person, you know, being able to repeat back to you what you're saying and, and helping you structure what you actually want to be doing, but, um, to get back to the coaching piece. So, uh, he, and I actually had met, he does, he also has a podcast. He runs a podcast. Um, oh, cool. and so, um, I ended up getting connected with him through Facebook and through social media. Um, and so we had worked together for about a month, um, and then had just decided that it wasn't the best fit. And so I actually then ended up hiring a, a different coach. Um, who is now my coach. I've been working with her for two and a half months and we'll continue to work with her um, throughout the rest of this year. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of different um, uh, organizations, depending on where you live, um, where you can look for coaches that have directories. If you look up coactive coaching, if you look up accomplishment coaching, um, they'll, all, they'll have directories that you'll be able to then go in and say, here's where I live, here's what I'm looking for, and they can connect you with somebody. Oh, that's great. And I, and I think from just listening to you talk under this vertical, I think the biggest thing that I took from it was sort of being mindful of the perspectives and the perceptions of the people that you're reaching out to for advice. And also right. realizing, I think that so many times when we get advice from people, uh, particularly mentors or, or friends or family, we're not taking that into account. And we may take their conservative, prudent approach as them being jealous or envious or they can't see it for us when in right. reality, it may be the opposite. And maybe they care about you so much <laughs> and they care about your success so much that they want you to err on the side of caution. Exactly. And so it's that weird dynamic where it's like, how do you, like, how do you have the, the wisdom and the maturity in that moment to acknowledge right. that although this person is telling me I shouldn't be doing something I think I should be right. doing, that I shouldn't lash out at them or be angry at them, but realize that they're actually trying to, in their minds, ensure my best interest is taken yeah. into account. And it's like, yeah. how do you do that without sort of alienating that? But then how do you maintain that relationship? So that was something that sort of came up. But then what you were talking about earlier, when you're talking about being at Ohio State, you know, being conditioned for the corporate route, mm -hmm. I begin to think, how do we get people to transform that type of thinking? Because if you are taking this big move, this bold move and you're leveraging the perspectives of other people. I feel like as soon as one of those mentors or someone comes at you with their best interest at heart, telling you to mm -hmm. be cautious that that may create a relapse in a sense where you yeah. go back to that conditioning of, Oh, wow, I am crazy. 
Yeah. I'm trying to go against everything I was taught. And this mentor is telling me that I definitely shouldn't do this. How do we work through that? And I know it maybe right. may not be enough time in this rant to, to divide that, <laughs> but I'm just sort of curious about like, how do you break that conditioning, but then remain yeah. strong when your mentors and others try to reinforce that conditioning? And how do yeah. you navigate that? I think it's just like you're saying, maybe being in tune with yourself and building yeah. up that muscle memory through similar experiences and similar breakthroughs. Right. I think it's a mixture of things. I think it's, you know, on a, a couple prongs and a couple different things, but, I, you know, ultimately it always comes back to self. So it always comes back to how do you identify as a person? Who do you know yourself to be? Uh, and how comfortable are you with that? Uh, and that self-love piece and that self-acceptance piece is incredibly, incredibly important in making decisions to get you to a place um, where you're going to be happier, where you're going to be more joy-filled. So, um, you know, it, it's, if you're sure on who you are and if you love yourself as who you are as a person and as a professional, it becomes e easier to say, thank you for your opinion, um, but I know myself um, better than you know me and this is this is what I'm gonna do. Um, so I think it all comes back to the self. I think part of it too is also just being very conscious about the, the network and the support system that you've built and are building um, because, uh, you know, our day-to-day -day lives and what we consider to be normal is really influenced by our environment, which is acting on us 24-7. So, yeah. you know, I had a, a, a conversation with a mentor recently um, where we were talking about, you know, and this was, you know, maybe two months ago, three months ago, where I, where I basically was like, you know, I'm waking up, if I'm not busy between nine and five every day, you know, I feel weird and I feel like I should be doing all of these things and I'm, you know, they're not happening and yada, 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 yada. And he says, you know, you really need to redefine normal. You need to redefine what's normal um, because somebody who has never had a corporate job, who comes from a family of entrepreneurs who has always created their own, you know, their own opportunities and their own positions. They think that interviewing for a corporate job is not normal. Um, but somebody, you know, that goes through college, that goes through sort of like this corporate education um, is going to think that creating their own opportunities or becoming an entrepreneur is, is abnormal. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's taking inventory and, and being very aware uh, of who you're surrounding yourself with. Um, and I think that will lend itself to, you know, if I'm having a conversation with, with one person and they tell me, Hey, no, this isn't the right idea. You shouldn't be doing that. That's irresponsible. I can then say, here are these four other people that I know that love me unconditionally, that I have a great relationship with who are telling me, no, don't listen to that. Like, here's what you should be doing. Uh, makes it a lot easier to, to bounce back and, and take that perspective with a grain of salt. Definitely. Definitely. And I think that that's so important for all the listeners to internalize this idea that the network matters. And like you were saying, Taking the perspective with a grain of salt, if you want to take advice from someone, take a bit, take advantage of doing research on their lifestyle and on where they are and, and imagine, do I want that for myself? And if you mm -hmm. do, give more credence potentially to those perspectives um, and just really being mindful of the circles that you surround yourself with. Because even though people can have your best interest at heart, they're ultimately acting from their own perspective, their own fears, exactly. their own insecurities. Everyone's working with their own tools. <laughs> and I think that's the most important thing that you can remember is the fact that everybody has had such vastly different lives than yourself, yeah. that you are the only person that knows the full extent of your experience. And you got to trust that. Definitely. So we've gone through the breakthrough, 2017 breakthrough. We then have organized over the, the months following that March uh, realization uh, to organize our life around where we're going to go, how we're going to do it. Still not sure about the, the subject of, of the next the next move, but we're going to work on organizing our thoughts, giving notice and things of that sort. And then as we're going through this, we're going to leverage L, leveraging those different perspectives, whether it be mentors, whether it be yourself, more importantly, as Hayden has noted, your, your parents, uh, mentors, friends, colleagues, whoever it may be. And then on the spiritual side, guidance, you know, leveraging life coaches and, and books to help to understand how you contextualize this next move. And so that brings us to the last portion of the bold formula, which is deciding on your action. And I really loved your quote from Facebook, uh, and I wanted to share that uh, as the anchor for this last segment, but how you came about deciding on your action and, and realizing that even after you determine your course of action, the vulnerability, the insecurity, it doesn't go away. It actually mm -hmm. may actually appear in, in stronger <laughs> forms. And so I wanted to share this quote on Facebook because I really love the genuine and authentic nature of it. Hayden notes, it's because I felt like a failure recently. Six months ago, I left my full-time job to work for myself. I told people I'd already been working with clients and knew that what I was doing. But the truth is that I hadn't made a single dollar from freelance work before I left. I was so insecure about what people would think of me if I said I didn't have an exact plan, despite knowing it was the right decision and having complete faith in my ability to make it work. In repeatedly telling people that I knew exactly what I was doing, I subconsciously convinced myself that I did. I just needed until the end of the year, and then I'd have it all figured out. I don't. Just like in my corporate roles, I'm still trying to figure out my end game, and I still regularly feel lost, like I'm fumbling around in a dark room looking for the door. Compound that with a fear of being perceived as irresponsible and struggling to get financially stable, and you've got yourself a whole lot of guilt, shame, and fear. I even avoided going back to my old office for the first few months because I didn't want to have to talk to anyone about what I'd done since I left. 
I was ashamed that I hadn't accomplished more. I'm realizing I've been too hard on myself. I set an unreachable I set an unreachable goal by expecting perfection and having spent the last six years learning how to operate in a corporate office. I can't expect to flip a switch and completely rewire my brain overnight. And while they've come with their share of challenges, I have to remind myself that these last few months have also been extremely fulfilling and transformative. So I know that that was a lot to sort of unpack, but it really shines a light on what happens after you leave and and after Mm -hmm. you take those bold moves, after you decide on your course of action, that's when the work starts. It's not, oh, I made this decision. Let me post on Facebook. We're (laughs) all happy. Kumbaya. You know, let me me now relax. I made this bold move. But there's a lot of actual feelings that that go through this. As I was talking about in the first episode in the series with Jalen Block, he was talking about, you know, crying at night, you know, really getting emotional, feeling uh, insecure about these decisions and, and really struggling with this. And I think that we fail to realize that with these bold moves comes a lot of questioning, comes a lot of confusion. Uh, because even though you're making these bold moves and even though you're a strong person, that conditioning and, and those perspectives and people's opinions, uh, of course, you give them a certain amount of value, but to some extent, they do matter in the onset when you're still trying to gain ground. And so we'd love to just learn where you are now and what you've learned after this bold move and how you're still grappling with those questions around people's perceptions, how you perceive yourself and, and giving yourself a reasonable and adequate amount of time to really manifest the the fruits of this bold move. So, um, I mean, what you were saying in, in terms of the move be you know, being the very beginning of the process, the very start of the journey, it's 100% right. Um, and I think that people, my, myself included, trick themselves into thinking that once you've made the decision that that's it. Yeah. Um, but but it, there's really so much more that has to go into that. And so I sort of put it in the perspective of mindset uh, and transforming mindset. So while I don't necessarily have everything figured out from a day-to-day or logistical standpoint, um, I think that I'm doing a lot of important work around shifting my mindset for future success. Um, and so, you know, one of those things is just continuing to evaluate and and understand what self-limiting beliefs do I have about myself? Yeah. Um, you know, for example, um, feeling that people are judging me or evaluating me and not wanting to go back to the office for the first couple of months because, um, you know, I felt like I hadn't, you know, actually done enough. Um, but then, you know, also understanding, okay, how do I reorient myself in this new space? How do I find success, um, you know, from a career standpoint, from a financial standpoint, um, from a relationship standpoint, from a personal yeah. relationship, a romantic standpoint? Um, all of those things are so incredibly important um, and will continue to be areas that um, I'm going to focus on improving and shifting and changing. Um, and you know, but I but I will say the the great part about it in in making that leap is you then put yourself into a much better headspace most of the time. So you know, now having this opportunity to spend my days as I please and take on the projects that I want, yeah. I'm starting to figure out how do I structure my day in a way that's most effective for me. Because the whole idea of having everyone go to work from nine to five and expecting that to be the best and most productive schedule for every single person is kind of a joke. (laughs) So um, like, you know, for example, I've now started this thing, I'm calling it slow mornings, but I basically wake up at 6.30. Um, I make a you know, protein smoothie and a coffee. I hang out for like an hour, just wake up super slowly, go to the gym uh, until about you know, Wait, 10, did you say 10, 6.30? I, I'm freaking out. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I wake up. My body's like freaking out. I'm like, that's a slow morning? <laughs> um, well, I just, I like it. I'm turning into more of a, a morning person. Yeah. But, um, so, you know, I'll go to the gym. I'll come home and, and shower. And, and uh, you know, then I meditate and I journal. Um, so I, I write at least a thousand words a day um, uh-huh. in, in journaling. And then, you know, we'll eat something small and then usually get to work around 11. In 1130. So, you know, I'm waking up at 630, but I'm not really actually starting anything until 1130. And for me, that's incredibly important time um, yeah. to get really close with myself, with my feelings for the day, what sort of intent and intention do I want to bring to the day? Um, and, you know, also just realizing like, you know, hey, how did yesterday go? How's this week been going? Is there anything I want to do to course correct? Um, so that, for example, is one thing that I've that I've learned about myself recently. And one thing that's going to be really important in moving forward and, and continuing to take on more opportunities. Definitely. And what does the future look like? I, I've come across some advertising for different sessions you're running, um, enhancing sort of your LinkedIn profile, things of that sort. Mm-hmm. What does the future look like? And I know that you're still in the, you're still, you know, those three month sprints and you're, you're trying to figure out, but how can we find you sort of in the future? I know there's HaydenHumphrey.com. Uh, yes. We can find content. <laughs> uh, but what, 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 how can we find you and how can we stay up to date on what all you're doing um, in 2018? Yeah. Absolutely. So definitely going to continue to do photography. Um, I love 
doing it. It does not feel like work to me. <laughs> um, and being able to give you know other people pictures of themselves that they really like is, I think, a very, very um, cool thing to be able to do and a cool thing to get paid to do. And uh, it's a confidence so and self-esteem <laughs> booster too. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll definitely continue to do that. Um, and then, like I said, I just recently took on this director role um, for Boyd Falconer and Associates. So um, really excited. Um, Boyd has been doing this for 10 years, um, has a PhD, is extremely well known in, in the area. So I'm excited you know, to continue to work with him to, to build out the brand for the company. And, and what does that the entail, company. the director role? Is that, are you getting into the trenches of, of the coaching aspects of it or managing the yes. organizational? It'll, no, it'll, it'll mostly be, a, it's, it's mostly a coaching role. Um, so I'll have, um, the, the interesting thing is this is a, a very recent position. So a lot of those responsibilities and roles are still being fleshed out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in, in essence, it will be a, a very um, uh, close one-on-one -on -one coaching role with our clients, with clients that we have, clients that I have. Um, and then also just helping, you know, like I said, more carefully and closely rearticulate um, the the brand and the vision and, and the design for the company. Um, you know, a, along with that, uh, I'm in the process of getting ICF certified. So ICF is the International Coaches Federation, um, mm -hmm. and it's kind of a gold standard for, for coaching accreditation. So I'm going through a year-long program with that. Um, so those, the photography piece, the coaching piece, and then the last piece, like I said, is I am getting more into training. Um, and the idea is I'd actually like to start a, a training company by the end of the year. Um, so far, it's really just been um, LinkedIn training because that's where a lot of my yeah, um, skill sets are exactly and that's where i have a lot of credi uh, credibility to having worked at the company um but really ultimately i'd like to get into more soft skills training so um things like communication for teams you know collaboration um you know public speaking uh, yeah. and being able to work with small businesses and corporations to help their employees more effectively do these sorts of things um but yeah you can find me at haydenhumphrey.com um i'm also on, on instagram as hayden as himself as himself all one word um but yeah i mean it's going to be a good year and uh you know really really looking forward to what's to come Definitely. And as we close out, do you have any advice for people? Thank you so much for sharing your bold move. Do you have advice for people who are thinking about bold moves in the personal or the professional and relationships? Yeah. <laughs> what, have you, what have you learned that you can impart on us? Yeah. Uh, so like I've said throughout, throughout this, this, this whole conversation with you is I think that, um, that self-awareness piece and that self-love piece is, is fundamental. I think really being effective about making large changes and getting to a place where you are, um, you know, living a much more fulfilled and, and happy life. I think it really comes down to knowing yourself, knowing what you want, uh, and, and being able to handle obstacles and challenges, that resiliency, which comes from self-awareness and self-love. So I think that's incredibly important. Um, the other piece that I, that I will suggest to, it's maybe a little bit more tactical is if you are in the process of, of evaluating a decision, of making a jump, of, of making a big change in your life, um, we automatically go to fear-based thinking. That's where we go. That's where our brains are wired to go. So yeah. I really would... would you know, advise and encourage um, to sit down and, and really write out, okay, what is the worst possible case scenario here? Um, and, you know, not only that, but also what's to be gained? More importantly, what can go right? What's the best case scenario? Yeah. Um, and get very conscious about focusing on and pulling energy from that best case hypothetical as opposed to that worst case hypothetical. Definitely. And to keep with the trend of this episode, I've been uh, quoting a lot of your posts on LinkedIn, on your website, and on Facebook. And I think it's only fitting to end this episode with a quote from your Facebook uh, page where I think it encapsulates what you've been talking about. I think it'll be a lot of inspiration uh, for those listening. You note on your Facebook page, be careful with how you define your self-worth. You are not your current situation. You are not your past. You are not your resume. You are not your salary. You are not your relationships. You are not your lifestyle. You are not your failures. And you are not your perceived shortcomings. You are transcendent of anything material and everything temporary. You are valuable. You are lovable. You are enough. Thank you so much, Hayden, for joining the Riley Rant, our 30th official episode, the second episode within our Bold Move series. Really appreciate your learning through the Bold formula, and I think this is going to really impact and encourage and inspire a lot of people who are thinking about Bold Moves in 2018 and beyond. So thank you so much again for joining us. This has been a long time in the making, and I'm so glad that we can make this happen officially, um, as I really appreciate and value the content you've been pushing out across all of your different platforms. Yeah, absolutely, Paul. Thanks so much for having me, man. No problem. And for those listening, remember, if it's Sunday, it's time to rant. If it's Sunday, it's the Riley rant.